Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurship in Developing Markets. I am here again with my wonderful uh, co-host, Lincoln. How you doing? We're doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona, and uh, we're ready to podcast. <laughs> in this episode, what we want to discuss is business development in developing markets and how to go about finding deals, how to work those deals, and the do's and don'ts um, of how to manage things. And Lincoln, you have a lot more uh, experience in this area than me, since you do a lot of your deals for your company in Africa. Yeah, well, let's rephrase that. Because <laughs> in America, we say deals. And in fact, as a distributor, we set up dealers and we call them dealers. And uh -huh. One day, one of our customers, our longtime customer in Uganda said, you know, we really don't like that word. <laughs> when we say deal in Uganda, it means a bad deal. It's, a, it's something negative. It's like a drug dealer. So can you come up with another word for us? So Opportunities. <laughs> Call it something else. I don't know what you call it or something, whatever's culturally appropriate where you're working. But, but yeah, how do you find customers, right? What do, how do you develop new business? That's a, that should be the first thing on your list. Yeah. And how do you develop it in a developing mark, uh, in a developing market? And how do you go about? So I think this topic is really interesting because for most people and, and myself right now, I am, uh, the work that I do in developing markets mostly consists of essentially, if you were to label it outsourcing, where we are developing products to serve developing markets. And so a lot of people just like me are doing the exact same thing, but within developing markets itself, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, to serve the local market there. And you are doing that. So Take us back a little. So this proves why you're so much smarter than I am. <laughs> a developing market is a good place to buy things because you can normally get them cheaper. And yeah. so when you're buying labor or services there, you're smart. When you're trying to sell something there, mm, it's not so easy. Tell us a little bit more about that. What do you mean it's not uh, so easy? What challenges have you faced? Okay, to, yeah, to set the stage, I'm going to make a shameless commercial plug for my book. We started this podcast because we'd met over this book that I wrote called uh, A Small Balance of Favors. In the in my book, which is a kind of humorous novel about business in Africa, this uh, Mzungu kid, this foreigner, gets to Africa and he recognizes that there's a scarcity of everything. And so he thinks, therefore, there must be a market for everything. And so he instantly jumps into whatever business occurred to him on the first day and has a disaster. And then gets into another business and has another disaster. And comes to realize that, yes, there's a scarcity and there are reasons for that. So uh, just the first thing is when you arrive in a, in a developing market and you recognize that there is a scarcity of everything, also recognize that there are very valid reasons for that scarcity. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so just because you have a good widget uh, doesn't mean that uh, the widget's appropriate or is, is going to be purchased by your potential customers. Um, so we need to curb our enthusiasm, I guess is one way to put it. And, uh, 
and make sure that we have a, an appropriate uh, product for an appropriate customer. Now, <clears throat> I had a good customer years ago in Saudi Arabia and we became good friends. And he had a couple of solar companies and he thought that the customers with money in Saudi Arabia would buy solar because solar in those days was expensive. And after a few years, he got to be fairly successful, but he said, I've learned something. You can smell your customer when he walks in the door. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I used to think that if someone pulled up in a nice car and they had good clothes and they walked into one of my shops, I would hustle right over there and put the pitch on them and think that I could sell them something because they had money, but they didn't have the need. So they didn't, they didn't need my stuff. Um, but when the Bedouin walked in uh, straight out of the bush, he needed, he didn't have a lot of money and he wasn't well-dressed well and maybe not properly bathed, but he needed my product. <laughs> and that was the difference. So I think every deal or customer or uh, market development probably starts with that concept, right? Need. Mm. And, uh, and go ahead. Well, and, and the ability to buy it. So there needs to be the need and also just the financial um, ability to be able to buy whatever service or product that you are looking to deliver um, within the space, within the market that you're operating in. All right. So take us back a little bit. I know you are, you approach your business model from like the distributor uh, set. But how did you, right. was that, was that always your first, uh, approach or was that something that you learned over time where, go ahead. Well, I learned on somebody else's dime. So that's <laughs> what I suggest. <laughs> um, work for somebody and, and, and learn the industry. Um, and then you just have to find out where your particular set of uh, benefits or, or uh, abilities matches the market. But um, we tried a lot of different things and, you know, frequently people would come and, and, and continue to come to Africa and say, wow, look, in this country, there's 70% of the people are unserved by, by grid electricity. There must be a huge market. But then you start to look at ability to pay and the market becomes much, much smaller. And so when we would talk to our dealers or our partners in country, sometimes they'd get discouraged and they'd say, you know, there's only 3% of the country that can afford these products and say, great, what's 3% times the population? Let's say it's the 10 million, 10 million people in the country. How many systems have you installed this year? Do you, could you do 1% of that? Could you do 3,000 a year? Oh, that would be great if we could do that. Okay. Well, there's still a big market. Mm -hmm. And so I would just encourage people not to get discouraged because of uh, ability to pay. There are, there's a market almost everywhere for almost everything. Uh, you just have to find out how to access it. Have you found like the... And one of the problems... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just to go back a little bit. Have you found as you structure or as your partner structure deals um, that you've had to structure deals significantly different than you would, let's say in a develop in a developed market in terms of, especially what you, you guys are selling is 
it's pretty it's, it's probably pretty up there in terms of price and there or are you just saying these are the people that can afford it so we don't really have a, a more unique payment structure than anywhere else yeah now you get into the question of giving credit right yeah and, um and how much would you be willing to do with what kind of down payment and those sort of questions and and um i think we did an episode on that and and had some good ideas about it but um yeah you're definitely probably now i definitely probably i sound like a good friend in liberia <laughs> let's say that you'll definitely have to make some concessions around payment but don't be too fast to do that mm -hmm. um, and you might be surprised that people don't expect credit and they expect that they need to pay everything up front and if you gave them just a little bit of credit they would take that as a great compliment and uh, that would probably help things move forward quite a bit um, the other another way to that we've found to not find customers is to let the government do it for you mm. They're pretty terrible so far at finding customers. Um, if they'll do a government-sponsored trade mission and allow you to pick the people that you put on the mission, that's a good idea because then you can get your the people you know that matter. But if you just let the embassy uh, develop a trade mission and um, you sign up for to participate in it, it's probably going to be the wrong people. Mm -hmm. Have you ever participated in something like that? I stay as far away from the government as possible. The only time I interact with the government is, <laughs> is when I file taxes with the IRS every, every, yeah. every quarter. That's it. Yeah, well, that's that's good, good advice. Yeah. Here's the other thing, and this may not be true in your industry, but it may be as well. Um, sometimes people, uh, especially manufacturers that we represent, We'll get really excited because somebody wrote directly to them and they have a really nice website. Mm. And so they'll send us the lead and they'll say, oh, follow up with this guy. He's going to be an excellent uh, distributor because look at his website. It's so great. Mm -hmm. And we'd say, yeah. Do you ever get any leads from like Yahoo addresses? <laughs> what today would be Gmail addresses. If you can get like a Yahoo.fr, Yahoo.uk, you got any of those? Oh, yeah, we throw those away because we know those aren't real. Hmm. Send those over. <laughs> those are the real guys. Those are the real guys. That's what you found as uh -huh. okay. Now, what are some of like the as you start to you maybe have an opportunity for a deal uh, in place? What are some of just the standard things that you've seen um, hold up a deal, and how do, would you advise? our listeners uh, um, to get around or to navigate that uh, because with working in developing markets, there's always a, a nice little touch of unique circumstances that, that add to, that add to the deal a lot of the times. Yeah. Mm -mm. I worked for a guy years ago who said, let's date before we get married. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you found that to be good advice and it worked for me. Um, but it works in business too which is that you ought to maybe start with a smaller transaction and see how each other behave. Um, we try not to jump right into a 
big project without having some significant experience with the partner first. Uh, so that's the first thing we would do is kind of vet the, the partner or the customer by some smaller actions and then um, pay attention to uh, what's going on in the market and have lots of friends. I think we said this before when in, in another episode was that it's good to be able to triangulate. And so if you just go into a country and he's the first guy you met at the airport and um, he's your sole distributor and your only customer and your only source, you're already in trouble. Mm. So it's not to say he's not a great guy and he might be the right guy, but he need, you need to have uh, eight or 10 other people that you're talking to that know him um, that can maybe give you warnings or advice or help. And so you build a knowledge base around that. Um, and then you just look at, you know, for us, um, we don't have to spend a lot of time with somebody before we realize whether they're a dreamer or whether they're a realistic. And lots of people get excited and think that they can do things that they can't or think that things will work that they can't, that can't. That's not to say you shouldn't be enthusiastic, but we try to make sure they're realistic too. Mm. I don't know if you run into that same sort of thing. I think um, I haven't ran into that in terms of, well, not in terms of doing deals within developing markets, but I think that's entrepreneurship at a, in a nutshell a little bit where mm. <laughs> where there are dreamers where like we I can do anything um, and it's only going to take you know two or three steps but there's all these little learning lessons along the way and so it's it's sort of when you become a little bit seasoned in just developing businesses you sort of kind of lose that I, I feel like you kind of sort of lose that uh enthusiasm for like I can achieve it everything but it's also like a good spirit to have so you're not trying to ding <laughs> the person that you may be doing a deal with on it but you're also a little skeptical skeptical of what's being said at the same time yeah yeah I think that's that's uh, I, I found that I have less fire in the belly than I used to have um but yeah, everything that I thought was easy is always a lot harder. A good, a good rule of thumb is probably to multiply the amount of time mm -hmm. that you're, that you think something's going to take by two or three and probably multiply the cost by two or three. And if it's still a good deal and you're still willing to do it, then go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that scares us off is if somebody's selling you too hard. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I've got a two guys tag teaming me right now on that. And I'll send a WhatsApp message to one guy. And within five minutes, I get a call from the other guy who I know they're talking and they're trying to, you know, see if they can circle around and get me to go their direction. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine. I appreciate their desires, but you know, you gotta be wary of, um, the urgency they build around the deal. Mm -hmm. Um, a good salesman always builds urgency, but, Sometimes there's a lot of, uh, if somebody's pushing too hard, you'll feel it, you'll feel it. You'll just back off on it normally if it's, uh, and the other thing is, um, I'm very skeptical of people who are driving too nice of a vehicle, speaking too good of English or too good of French, 
and um, are just a little bit too urbane and put together. Never really had success with those guys. Can't tell you why, hmm. but they're more showmen than performers. Do you have those guys in your industry? Ah, uh, man. Well, we in the U.S. we did have what, what, the last the last well the girl uh, Elizabeth Holmes. She had all of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> she she was a she's a great case study of that at uh, engaging fraudulent activity, um, where. You know, she had every single investor, big name investor on the board, investing in her company and her product didn't deliver what was fraudulent, um, according mm -hmm. to the court. So, yeah, I think that's you'll find that in a lot of places they have they have the referrals from anyone that's somewhat credible. They're using uh, visuals to reel you in. They got a great story, but. If you dig deep enough, sometimes the story just uh, doesn't really quite line up. Or if you bring in experts that are really that know their stuff, they'll uncover things that are like, "Yeah, this is not going to work." Right. Mm -hmm. So, but that's up to you. That's up to you to um, do that in a when you're sourcing or working with someone on a particular deal. It's to you for you to dig deeper than what they're what they're trying to show you you brought that up before with if you land and the first person that you see at the airport is the only person that you engage with you know not to say like you said not to say that they're going to be that they're not going to be great for you as a partner or as a customer but it's up to you to also do your homework as well mm -hmm. and i think over time you'll develop a very specific profile of what a customer looks like mm -hmm. When we hire a new person, we spend some time talking and training about target acquisition. It means, what does the customer look like? Oh, you know, and, and sometimes a new salesperson will get excited and say, oh, this guy's in the solar business. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Well, no, but look, look at what he's done. Great. But does that fit with something you, can you sell him a product? Well, look, he buys all this product. Yeah, but where does he buy it from and why? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess he's not going to buy from us, right? So he's a heck of a good guy, and we appreciate him being in the industry, but he's not going to buy from us. Therefore, what? We don't spend a lot of time with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, goes back what uh, goes back to what you said earlier you, uh, with your colleague from Saudi Arabia. You can smell your customers. <laughs> Look mm -hmm. for the, looking for the. You want someone that wants that uh, that needs it, not someone that can just potentially just maybe their income or status uh, indicates that they're a good customer, but they could be far off from that. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> it's good to remember the, but uh, Charlie Moon and is it Charlie Moon and uh, Warren Buffett say to each other, Charlie Mungle brings a good deal or something like Mungle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they're meeting this week. I think this is their annual meet I saw but yeah so apparently if if Warren brings a deal that he thinks is just fantastic and he pitches it to Charlie and Charlie says that's terrible and Warren says oh you think it's that good huh <laughs> so a um, a good uh, dose of pessimism um, when you're when you're looking at deals is also uh, useful but then at, at a certain point you've got to just close your eyes and jump mm -hmm. uh, 
I am working with a fellow in uh, Latin America over the last couple of months and he's extremely skilled and uh, he's got everything he needs to be successful. I know he's going to be successful, but I can't get him to jump. <laughs> and uh, I know if he would jump, he, he, you know, he would do well uh, in his industry, but uh, he's, gets to the kind of gets to the edge and then is a little bit too cautious. I think, mm -hmm. I think maybe he doesn't realize uh, how good he is or maybe how successful he could be. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to discourage you to get off the ledge you go ahead and get out on the ledge, but make sure that you're, you know, check your parachute twice before you jump. <laughs> then that wouldn't be entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. kind of you check your parachute on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> oh well yeah we're fixing it and if you're lucky if you get some funding along the way um your pair uh you you're a little bit you get a you're you start from a higher distance so you have more yeah. opportunities to mess up <laughs> because as we say in nigeria you're feeling somehow buoyant yeah <laughs> it means your cash flow is pretty good exactly yeah. so Tell us, um, so someone that is right now looking at a deal and has lined up partners and is like, oh man, I got a, I got a great connect for coffee in Uganda. We're going to start this coffee or organic coffee company, for example, and get it out there. And I have all these people that are just going to make it happen for me. What should they be uh, looking for? to make sure that they are, or what should the due diligence process look like uh, for them? And how can they make a successful deal uh, from your experience? I know we already covered it a yeah. little bit, but just to like wrap up. Well, that's a good hypothetical because you've given us something to sink our teeth into here. <laughs> so this is a coffee deal out of Uganda. Yeah. So I don't know how much coffee's going in Uganda, but let's say, let's pretend that it is. And, um, you're probably going to be the first one trotting down that path. And if you are, if in this hypothetical, you're the first, you're the pioneer, a lot of people are slapping you on the back and congratulating you and telling you how wonderful it is that you're innovating. Right. Mm. And then you should get a little bit worried because if you don't have any competitors, <laughs> that might be a sign. You should have some competitors certainly somebody had to be the first one, but what I would ask myself in those cases, and I've been in those situations before. And in fact, I'm living one now with a company that I started in, in 2000 or in 2020 that, um, is going to take three times longer than we thought to develop it. So if you're, if you're contemplating that coffee deal in Uganda, I hope you really enjoy the Ugandans. They're wonderful people. And, choose to, if you're choosing to do something like that, it's going to take longer than you thought. It's going to cost more than you thought. You're going to make less than you thought, but boy, it could be a lot of fun. And if you get to work with people that you enjoy and appreciate and they appreciate you, um, then it's probably worth doing. Uh, I was thinking about that today and thinking about some uh, things I need to work on and thinking that I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy working with these people. <laughs> I thought it would uh, kind of miss my old friends. And uh, so in, 
those sort of pioneering efforts might need to be done. They might be successful, but they're not going to be as fast or as lucrative as anybody thinks. And so make sure that you're ready for the long haul and do a couple of reality checks with if you can convince somebody who's pretty savvy in the market that it's a good idea, that's a great sign. So just to wrap up this episode, um, I will quote Bill Gates. Um, I think this quote has been, there's several variations that I've read in the book. So I don't know, I'm not even sure if mine is correct. But um, one of the quotes that Bill Gates always um, puts out there is like, you, you're going to overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in 10, uh, 10 years. And so, oh wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and especially, Persistence, right? Yeah, and especially in developing markets, I think you're gonna come in with a lot of enthusiasm, and you should maintain that. And throughout my process, I have learned a lot. I started my process in Africa in two thousand two thousand and one, right? 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 Is it COVID? Was COVID in two thousand one? I don't know how. Oh, plus or minus 20 years. It was 2019. <laughs> started, I started my process. Years in yeah. <laughs> I started my process in 2021. Uh, in, and during that time, I've learned, I've learned a lot um, in terms of just basic things that, yes, I knew in my previous business, but it applied differently in developing markets. There's a little nuances to it. And I had a very rosy outlook, just like you, like you said, I had a very rosy outlook. Oh yeah. You know, I'm going to use the same playbook that I used in Serbia to achieve, uh, achieve my goals in, um, Kenya and Ghana. And, you know, there's been detours or, um, several, several failures along the way. But one thing that like you said, is I enjoy the process. I really enjoy the process. I enjoy the people that I'm working with. And I believe in what I'm working on. And we have made a significant amount of progress during that time. That's not where I wanted to be. Uh, three, um, yeah, three years into it or two and a however you want to do the dates uh, into it. But we are building the business and we are doing, I'm doing it with the people that I enjoy working with. And so that's just going to be the process. A lot of the times, not just in developing markets, but just in entrepreneurship as a whole. Well said as usual. <laughs> well, if you love this episode, uh, go ahead and you're already next to your phone and give us a nice five-star review and Send, a, send this episode to somebody else that you think would enjoy it as well. And we will catch you next time.